Yes. I feel like storytelling is always a process. Yes. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to be brief for you, knowing this is a short podcast. And it's definitely a much longer conversation about those nuances to getting a story. I mean, some of the work that I did around stories took years. Some of them took months. It just depends on the story and making sure you get the right connections and the right insight. And then sometimes they fall apart because the insight actually wasn't correct. You thought you had insight. Nope, it's actually not. It's not a hidden driver. People know about this. And it's been said 10 times before. You just couldn't find it. And then you're like, well, well, we'll start over. So where do you think the future of storytelling is going for brands? It's a great question. And I think that one of the lessons of storytelling, I think, is actually being missed by brands, which is you have to go away for a little while. You know, there's this great metaphor about storytelling where it's a house on a hill with a driveway and the driveway goes around trees. Let's say you had a, a front sort of entrance way to your, to your home. And the idea is, is you don't want to build a straight driveway that goes through the trees so you can see the house the whole time. You want to zigzag your driveway. So sometimes you see the house, sometimes the house goes away and you come back to the house from a different angle. Then you go behind the trees again and then you make another turn. It's like now you see the front of the house and the grand staircase, but then you make another turn. And you come back and now you see there's a fountain. I didn't know there was a fountain. And you make a turn. And so I think that what happens is, is there's that showing the story and then letting it rest for a while and coming back to a different angle with the story and then letting it rest for a while. I think brands have a hard time with the resting part. I think that there's definitely fatigue in a story. Many times with brands, I see this happen a lot where brands will just go out big with the story. Then they keep pushing, 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 but people get tired and they're like, why doesn't anybody listen to us? Well, well, you didn't give them a break. You didn't let them drive behind the trees for a little bit and then come back around and see the story again from a different angle. So I, I think that the problem with brands is they're so focused on those objectives and typically revenue revenue driving and just making money and getting eyeballs so fast that they'll just push the story till it dies versus saying, you know what, let's take this story and let's weave it out over a period of a year, maybe two. Let's let it sleep. Let's let it disappear. Let's, let, let's bring it back from a different angle. And so I, I think Brands like Apple are really good at letting stories sleep and then bringing them back. You notice that they're not this sort of steamroller type of brand when it comes to their stories. They'll, they'll bring something out, they'll put it away, they'll bring something out, they'll put it away. They'll, they'll rethink it, they'll show you new versions of it. I think they've been really great. Google a little bit too. Patagonia is another great company, which, which has a sort of a singular narrative, but they'll tell stories around it, but they don't beat you over the head with it. They'll tell a story about the founder, and then they'll go away. They'll tell you a story about an objective, and then it'll go away. But they're all kind of related. So the big picture, future storytelling and brands, I think a lot of brands are just going to destroy storytelling <laughs> because they're not going to understand the narrative arcs and the flows. I think other brands are going to figure it out and know that, okay, this is actually probably more of a long read different weaves and, and different tactics and, and different changes in the story as time goes on. We sort of talked about it before. It might be that there's a never ending story. So how do you tell a story that doesn't end? Well, you have chapters that are really compelling, but the chapters aren't the same story. They're nuances of the story. So I think successful brands are going to learn how to do those nuances in a cadence. And I think the unsuccessful brands are going to think we got it. And they're just going to roll that thing and push that thing until it dies. So speaking about the pausing or doing chapters, how do you know how long to pause and let the story resonate with people? Is there a time frame, or is this when you feel like you should do a new story? I think it's quarterly. Again, it depends on your objective. So if, if you're a fast growth business and you need to make revenues every quarter, or quarter over quarter, show your numbers increasing, that's going to be harder. 
That's going to be much more of the sensational news story every quarter, trying to get everyone's attention. Look how different things are. I don't think you're going to be able to tell great stories. I think you have to be incredibly sensational. But if you can think two years and you can think of a longer plan, I think you can do something that's quarterly still. I think it's a quarter on, a quarter off. Let's launch in January with this really great story. Then let's get quiet in the springtime. Let's bring it back at the end of the spring. This before summer. Maybe we get quiet for the summer and then we come back in the fall and launch another angle of it. You really just think about it as seasonal based off the behaviors of your audiences. So the other piece is, is people will tell you, the audience tells you by their behavior whether they're tired of something or not. I think about all these trends like avocado toast or toast itself. Whatever happened to toast? There's this whole thing about toast restaurants and it's gone. So what was that? It was probably 30 days. It was probably one quarter. And then it disappeared. But no one came back with, hey, we got new toast. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there probably was an opportunity for someone to come back with the toast story again. But I think you can see through these trends like that. If you went and researched some trends, and you'll see how long they last. Usually, to me, it seems like they last about a quarter if they're sort of trying to be cutting edge. And then most brands or most companies just drop them. They go, oh, well, that failed. So we'll just drop it. I think they have an opportunity in picking it back up and trying again six months later. Avocado toast. <laughs> you know, turmeric tea. Like everyone was having avocado toast. And turmeric tea, it was like everywhere. And then uh, not so much. Now it's kind of gone. Well, I think the industry, the avocado toast turmeric tea industry needs to get their act together and should get it back out there with some new storytelling. Because the first way was like, this is new. It's amazing. And now it's like, oh, whatever happened to that? True. I mean, people are still selling avocado toast. It's just not that popular anymore. Not that, yeah, the story, because there aren't stories around it anymore. Before it was like health and nutrition and you know, made me feel better. It's all these sort of holistic storytelling, but then it just kind of faded. I think for the entrepreneurs out there, there's plenty of room. Always. And do you think AI or artificial intelligence will help create storytelling better? Or do you think humans should just stick to doing that? Well, I think it's inevitable that companies are going to start to do that. It's a bummer for me. I think it's fine. I just don't love the idea. It gets into like a much bigger conversation about robots and people. I believe in people. I know robots can probably, maybe, potentially, sometimes do a better job than people, like a Roomba, you know, <laughs> like your iRobot for your carpet. Maybe that's a better job of vacuuming than I can do. Doesn't mean that I like the idea that there's a vacuum, you know, robot in my house that kind of freaks me out. It, it could just be my history of reading science fiction and, and saying, well, all these things are going to get corrupted one day. But um, I would say that uh, there's room for if it's human integrated. I think that what happens is, is there's sort of this desire, again, a bit science fiction to say, let the robots do it and I'm gonna kind of chill out or I'm gonna make revenues, more revenues, because if I have a robot doing it versus the person, it's gonna work out better for me. But I think as long as you have it connected to a person, I think it's okay. I, I just think the economics of things are gonna force more a AI and VR and everything else sort of into the world. But I don't know yet how lasting it is. It's kind of to be determined. I wonder if there's a human quality that you can't replicate in anything that's technological. And it could be that the newness of the technology storytelling will get attention. But back to that point about the quarterly and put things, let things go away and bring them back. I, I think, again, it's going to become something where it's steamrolled. It's becoming like, this is the thing. It's sensational. It's going to push. They're going to try to keep it going. And there isn't going to be that sensitivity to like, wait, should we pause for a bit and let's think about this and what worked and what didn't and let's keep things going, which I, again, I, I think it's harder for a robot to do that than it is for a person. 
And so I, I kind of believe that people's storytelling might be more expensive, but will be better. Yeah. I mean, AI is still pretty new and VR, at least for the gaming industry, has not really taken off as Facebook or Valve would like to see it actually take off. Yeah. But yeah. what exercises do you think people could do to actually become a better storyteller? Well, you need to write every day and read weekly. I would say that's the, sort of the quick take on it. And when I say write every day, it doesn't have to be like short story writing. It can just be freeform words, just putting words on paper, just playing with words. I think is always a great exercise. Play with words, put words together, make new words, just write a sentence, capture dialogue you hear in the real world. There's a lot of really great dialogue in the real world that I find inspirational. Just in conversations with people, overhearing people say things. I'm not saying you should snoop on people on the subway or the train, but sometimes you'll hear a snippet of a, of a conversation essentially. Like, That's just amazing. And just write it down. Just keep playing with those words and then take those words and expand on them. Can you build characters out of them? So the short story is always be writing and then read as often as you can. And reading has become a bit of a luxury with everyone working so hard these days. But if you can, even if it's a short story or an essay or even parts of an essay, just read. See how someone else is putting words together and, and see what that does to you. How does that make you feel? And that's going to become kind of your fuel for when you're going to write those great stories. I like it thinking of it. I went to art school. So in art school, you keep a sketchbook. Just always be sketching. It, not necessarily in, in literally in the drawing sense, but always with words. I think the more you can always sketch with words, the more that they're right at the tip of your fingers, tip of your tongue, so that you need to sort of rely on them and call them up. They're right there. I think that many storytellers will wait until they have to write a story, let's say, or they'll be thinking outside of words. And you know what? Let me be clear about something. If your storytelling is imagery and video, then do that. But just don't stop doing that and waiting for your project. You should always be working on stuff. You should always be playing with your creative mind playing with imagery, playing with those tools that you have to make sure that when you're ready, you're on. Yeah. Always creating is probably the best thing for people that <laughs> want to do something like this. If you're not creating, being a little stagnant about it. Yeah. It's like a rock. It's hard to get it moving from a standstill, but when it's moving, it's moving, got the momentum going and pushing a different direction. It's so much easier when it's moving than when it's standing still. I know you've talked about a little bit, but what brands do you think are doing really good in the storytelling department? I know you said Apple, but what other brands do you think are actually really doing really well? In yeah, this? I mentioned them before too, Patagonia. I just think that th their stories around the environment and, and the type of company they are, I see resonating. I see getting picked up in magazines like Fortune or Fast Company. I just see these stories resonating both on social and then in the media. I think a lot of smaller brands do a great job. There's this great little outfit called Hellcats uh, <laughs> out of Florida. They're like a design firm t-shirts and that sort of thing. But their own sort of founder story is compelling. And then their personality on social is really fun. Right now, and again, I, I practice what I preach. So I found like this niche audience of kind of this hipster motorcycle stuff coming out of Indonesia. And you're like, what? But it's really fascinating. The storytelling the kind of culture that's being built, just all online, that here I am in the States, can, I can take a peek, I can be part of this really interesting sort of subculture in Indonesia where they're making really great logos and the stories, and, and you see these folks in Bali called Raw Type Riot. So I'm a little shop, 
Like you would never know it, you know, like here in the States, you'd never hear of it, but you go online, it's like, wow, this is cool. I love what they're doing. So I don't mean to, to be cute about that, that the best storytelling I'm seeing is coming out of a small shop in, in Indonesia. But I think that that's the strategy is how can you be really interesting globally, not just, let's say, just in your locality, and how can you tell stories that resonate with specific audiences? Now, I have an interest in design. I have an interest a bit in nostalgic design around T-shirts, sort of Americana. I do like motorcycles. And so I found them through their storytelling. I found them through what they're putting out into the world. So they put it out there and I found it. And I just think that's kind of amazing that that's possible. But if you're asking me like for like sort of popular brands, Levi's is always doing it. You know who they are. You know what they stand for. You know what those jeans mean. Go back to Apple. You just know what they are. You hear those stories about Steve Jobs, you hear stories just about the culture. The stories are just seem to be ever present. You're not sure where you heard about them, but you hear about them. I'm trying to think of anyone else that really stands out for me these days. Amnesty International as a company, as an organization. I mean, it's a compelling topic, but I think that they're always trying. Microsoft, I think, is doing a pretty good job. I think now with Satya there as a CEO, you can get the sense of their cultural shift and they've really moved towards that story. You hear his story, he wrote a book. I think that that type of work resonates. And I don't think of anyone else that's sort of a larger brand that people might appreciate. I don't want to be negative. I won't tell you companies that are doing it. I don't like to do that. But I see lots of companies that are failing. I'll tell you that. You know, Supreme, the fashion brand, the sort of scarcity model around Supreme, I think do a great job. You really get a sense of who they are. Yeah, I'll pause at that. I, I know those sound very retail and sort of tech, but I see other other industries trying really hard with their astroturfing storytelling. I just don't think they're doing it as good as the other ones. I can give you a long list of those that are doing it poorly. It's harder to find the ones that are doing it well. Yeah, it's always easier to find criticism and things than actually find <laughs> the best things. We're kind of geared towards that. That's why a lot of stories that are sad a lot of times will resonate with us more often than the good ones. You could a lot of times forget about the good ones. Yes. I know it's a fatal flaw of the human condition for sure. So you did talk about a little bit of the new technologies, but do you think virtual reality and augmented reality will help stories become more immersive? No, not yet. Not for a while. I, I think in the short term, it'll help them be more sensational. So if you're looking for an immersive sensational approach, I think, yes. But when it comes to like an immersive story, I don't see it yet. It's possible. Again, I think that fits more of that long read, not the short term. I don't see current media consumption allowing that type of time for most audiences that brands are trying to target. I think if you had luxury, maybe folks that have leisure time, but I just don't see it yet for most of the audiences that brands need to attract to make their sales and hit their numbers. I think it'll happen over time. I think it's like any other technology. I forget the name of the law, but it, it has to become more accessible and less expensive. So I think if it became more accessible, less expensive and super easy, I think you'd see it. But in the short term, there's it's a bit of a barrier to entry to it. I saw on social individuals posting this augmented reality at the Ravens game football game where there was a raven flying around the stadium. Have you seen this one just recently? No, I haven't seen that one, actually. So it's a raven. 
you're like, wow. So, so it's sensational, right? So it's immersive. Yeah, here you are looking at the stadium, and now there's this giant raven flying around the stadium. And it's impressive. It's sensational. It's still not like, I wonder what they could have done. I'm not, again, I don't want to be critical. It's like, look, we have a tool, let's use it. It's not that, look, we have a tool, let's use it to the best of our abilities. It's just, let's use it. And let's do something simple, because I think that that's probably the lowest barrier to entry for our audiences to understand what we've just done. Just keep it really simple to start. So I have hope, but I just what, what you're seeing now is not very exciting, but just trying to get attention. Clickbait. And so do you have, or can you give any advice for people that are interested in being storytellers or wanting to get in this type of PR where you're crafting more stories than the traditional like SEO and everything else? Yes. So, and we touched on it a bit, but I think it's audience first. You really have to know your audience. So if you're trying to get involved in this field and you want to get started, who are you writing for? Who, you, who is your story for? Who are you trying to impress? Who are you trying to make impact on? That is the most important thing. So you might say, oh, I got a great idea for a story, or I just saw this amazing thing. I want to write about it. But who is it going to? And how are you going to get it to them? I think is the other key point. What is your distribution strategy? A lot of folks will say, well, I'll do something amazing and people will find it or I hope they'll find it. Kind of like an open mic night for songwriters. I'm just going to play and hopefully people will hear it and someone that likes it will come to a tap my shoulder and say that was a great song. But I think if you knew your audience, if you knew who was coming that night and you sort of wrote a song for the person, can you imagine? I'll use open mic night as the metaphor. There's a dozen songwriters. They're all going to show up on a Monday night at seven. They're going to put their names on a clipboard and they're going to go one at a time. And they tend to sing to each other. That tends to be who your audience or other songwriters. And you pat each other in the back and say, oh, this is really great. That's pretty good. Sometimes an industry person will come by to listen. But what if you invited the people to the open mic night? What if you took control and you said, okay, you know what? I'm going to be here on Monday. I'm going to make a list of people. I'm going to find people in the industry. I'm going to find other songwriters and find people that are storytellers and find some people in the media. I'm going to invite them all. Maybe I'll even get them cab fare to get there. And I'm going to play for them. And I'm going to write songs with mentioning their names. <laughs> what a different approach. Now I'm, I'm playing this open mic night, but I know the audience. I'm playing for them. I brought them there. They're going to listen to me more specifically. They're going to be more engaged with me. And I think that's the key way of thinking about it is how do you build that audience and that distribution before you even get started so that when you're telling your story, there's already people there to hear you. Nice. Any final thoughts for our listeners? It's harder and harder to be interesting these days. It really is. There's so much sensationalism. I've used that word a million times today. And so don't be discouraged. Just find what's hidden. Find the things that are uniquely, that you can uniquely bring to the table that maybe no one else is seeing and find that audience. Hmm. That's actually some really great advice. Thank you for being a part of PR360. My pleasure. What a blast. Really appreciate it. It's great meeting you. You too. Good luck with everything. Thank you. And as always, thank you for listening in to PR360. And if you could please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or all the popular podcasting hosting sites. I'm your host, Brett Deister. And thank you for tuning in and listen next week where we go through interviewing some great experts in the PR tech field. All right, guys, have a good day. Good week. Later.